Annie. And I'm Bridget. And this is Stuff Mom Never Told You. And I have a very important question for you, Bridget. Okay. Hit me. What kind of toys did you like playing with when you were growing up? I love this question. Probably my favorite toy was Polly Pocket. Remember those? Yes. I liked anything involving an intricate and elaborate world. Uh-huh. So I liked dollhouses. I liked anything. I was obsessed with miniatures. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked Easy Bake Oven. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Your standard, your standard girl toys. I liked games. I liked. Um, I was obsessed with this game called Dream Phone. Basically, how this game works is it has a plastic cell phone, and you get clues about who the guy is who has a crush on you from this phone. So it'll be like, he's not wearing a hat. And then you have to be like, well, he's not wearing a hat, so it's not Joe, it's not Dan. And you have to, like, (laughs) guess who it is via the process of elimination. So it's kind of like guess who? Kind of, only with a romantic aspect. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) What I'm saying now, it sounds weird, but you get it. Okay, sure. I've never played that one, but I I would... I'll seek it out. What kind of toys did you play with growing up? I loved My Little Ponies, and I had very, looking back, soap opera storyline playing out where I had two lead ponies. One was gold and one was silver. And the silver one lived in a world of, like, Legos and Lincoln Logs, and the gold one and um, her whole crew, they both had, like, their own set of ponies that lived with them. She lived in... um, like a Hot Wheels course, and they hated each other. And they were always trying to undermine what the other one was doing and overthrow their the society. And looking back now, that eventually the storyline reached a point where it was revealed both of them were bad. There was no good pony leader. And now I think I must have at some point internalized some thoughts about the two-party system. <laughs> Oh, that's deep. That's deep. Both parties are the same, man. They're the same? I don't know. It's just uh, looking back. They already know who's going to win. You don't even have to vote, man. (laughs) That's right, Bridget. (laughs) I was onto something with those My Little Ponies. Um, But I also liked, I inherited a lot of toys from my brother. So I had a Jurassic Park whole thing and a Star Wars thing. Um, I loved games as well. And I have a very funny story about a Polly Pocket board game. Um, I was trying to learn how to play the rule. I was trying to, I was playing it by myself. Okay, Bridget, let me just get it out of there. I was playing it by myself to try to figure out the rules before my friends came over. But I didn't realize that they were already there and they were just watching me play this game. <laughs> by my favorite thing on this show is when you tell really funny anecdotes about your childhood. <laughs> it's like my very favorite thing. I was horrified, and I tried to play it off so cool, like, oh, hey, just uh, getting ready, getting ready to play this Polly Pocket game. (laughs) (laughs) I was rehearsing for a play. Yeah, yeah, and no one bought it, and the next day, the rumors, Bridget, the rumors. But I was also big on playing outside. I loved playing outside. All this to say, today we were talking about toys. Toys are more important than you might think. For those of you listening, wondering to yourself, why are they talking about toys? Um, The imaginative play kids use toys for is really important to several things like um, creativity and um, literacy 
being able to see something from someone else's point of view, being able to create these storylines with these ponies that hate each other and one of them cuts off the other one's hair and then the other one throws fingernail polish on the other one and it was just a nightmare, Bridget. Those are <laughs> real dramatic ponies. I told you, I told you, it got intense. And if you think about it, um, if we're putting kids into this box... Because today we're kind of talking about gendered toys and gendered marketing of toys. At an early age, then it can be important if you think about why more women aren't in STEM fields. Because the toys we're marketing to them are saying, hey, you want to be a princess, get married and bake this cake for him. This is this is fun, right? This is what you want. Meanwhile, boys are getting these kind of engineering or building toys that um, studies have shown toys like that um, increase your uh, mental flexibility and your engineering skills. So it's it's important. Toys are important. Um, and also, we should say right at the front, gendered marketing is bad for everyone, not just for little girls, little boys, for everyone in between. It, it ignores a lot of people. It ignores non-binary folks. A lot of people are left out of the conversation when you say, boy, girl, check this box. Yeah, when you go to McDonald's and they say, do you want a happy meal for a girl or a boy? That leaves out a whole bunch of folks. And I think it's just not necessary. You know, yeah. I once saw this meme floating around where it was a it, like a flow chart of when you needed to get a gendered toy. And the, quest, the first question is, do you operate this toy with your genitals? The answer is no, it doesn't matter. The answer is yes, it is not a toy for children. So it was like... <laughs> You know, it, I, the fact that they were gendered in the first place is very strange. And I mentioned at the top of the episode that I loved Easy Bake Ovens, and I, I love to cook now, and I loved yeah. I loved playing with, in the kitchen, you know, making messes with flour and all of that. Um, so I loved Easy Bake Oven, but women are not the only people who need to know how to cook. Cooking right. is, a, is a fun skill for everybody. And if we say, oh, p- kitchen play sets and Easy Bake Ovens, those are for girls, those are not for little boys, what does that tell a little boy who likes cooking? Right. So not only does it erase a lot of folks, but it also gives boys the message that this thing is for women and that you don't need to do that. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it could be stifling an entire creative aspiration that someone has by telling them this is not for you. Right. And one particular aspect we're going to be talking about today is action figures. <laughs> because, Bridget, summer blockbuster season is coming. And um, it may surprise you, or it probably won't, but it surprised me, um, that big-budget movies like Star Wars and The Avengers often make more money from merchandise and toys than from ticket sales. Wow, I didn't know that. I did have a moment when I was watching the last Star Wars where I kind of thought, huh, this is sort of a big commercial for, like, Star Wars Legos, isn't it? (laughs) Not that I didn't like it. I just had a weird moment of realization, perhaps. Um... In 2016, Warner Brothers made $6.5 billion, with AB, from licensed sales of these big brand products, like Harry Potter in their case. Um, and Disney, $41 billion from licensed sales in 2013. Wow. Yeah, so toys and the sale of them have become increasingly largely due to movies and television tie-ins. Um, They play a role in creative decisions of what movies get made um, or how to how to how to make the movie. Even in 2015, 
the biggest toy property of the year was Star Wars, and that franchise by itself sold $700 million. Well, that just goes to show you how important and how impactful toy sales actually are when you think about movies. I had no idea that toy sales were the thing that was really generating all this money. Yeah, I didn't either. Um, And because toy sales are going up and because these marketing tie-ins with movies and TV are playing such a big role, more and more studios, movie studios or production studios, are making creative decisions based on what action figures they think will sell. And in their mind, that is not female action figures. Well, I was just going to ask, in their mind, what figures are they? They're pretty much uh, your standard white white male hero. <laughs> um, we see this argument all the time, not just with toys. Studios don't make action movies with women as the main character because people don't buy tickets to those movies. Not true. But that's an argument that you hear. Um, Video games with women as a lead don't sell. Kids don't want female action figures. Um, But this got us wondering, is that true? Well, we've got the answer for you. (laughs) Is it true? Um, No, it is not true. But it is more complicated than perhaps just know that it is not true. (laughs) Over the past few years, There have been several high-profile cases of companies leaving out female action figures. You might remember them by their hashtags. You've got 2015's hashtag Where's Rey in response to the action figures released or not released for Star Wars The Force Awakens. Despite being the most obvious main character, Rey was not included in a lot of toys and merchandising, and she was missing from a box set that included Finn, Poe, Chewbacca, a random stormtrooper <laughs> and a random tie fighter more important than Ray. So they don't even get I mean these rando throwaway characters get top billing over arguably the main character? That's right. That doesn't even make any sense. No, um and the same issue popped up in a box set for the animated series Star Wars Rebels where two of the main female characters were absent but you could get a stormtrooper or a clone trooper. Yeah, it's interesting when characters that don't even have names, yeah. you don't even see their faces. Like, wait, do you, you don't see Stormtroopers' faces. Mm, well, not generally, no. Yeah, so characters that you don't even see their faces get top billing over characters who are the entire movie. Like, they're, they're like, the biggest part. Yeah, she was, if you remember the poster, she was the central character, the largest character. Um, she wasn't even in the edition of Star Wars Monopoly, which, if I remember correctly, was divided in between light side and dark side. And it had Luke Skywalker and Finn on the light side and Kylo Ren and Darth Vader on the dark side. And um, Hasbro, who is the maker of Monopoly, claimed that having Rey would have spoiled a key plot line, including her in it. Um, Do you buy that? No. <laughs> Are you surprised, Bridget? I don't buy it. Uh, she was the main person in the trailer. She's the main person on the poster. And also, if we're talking good versus evil, I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but Finn was the bigger spoiler. He was the stormtrooper. Who knows? He could have gone either way before the movie came out, right? But, yeah, Hasbro didn't want to didn't wanna say either way. The director of Star Wars Force Awakens, J.J. Abrams, um, who I once had a dream, his name meant money. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> Wait, so Abrams was a, um, a unit of currency? Yeah, J.J. Abrams oh. in specific, the whole name. <laughs> um, he denounced the exclusion himself. And because of the backlash, Disney, which now owns Star Wars, um, in case you missed the memo on that one, released a series of merchandise featuring uh, female characters Rey, Jin, and Leia, who you couldn't get until a few years ago, Princess Leia. She's an icon. I know. She's iconic. Yeah. Okay, so I actually loved this letter from an eight-year-old girl who wrote to Hasbro, basically shaking her tiny fist at them about Rey's absence. She writes, Without her, there is no Force Awakens. All caps. So cute. Yeah. I love that she sent such a such a And it was color coded. Oh I love this kid. Yeah. Friend of the show. I hope so. I think so. She says, It awakens in her. Hasbro gave a very clunky business non-response to her letter and basically said, Well, she's in the games and we'll make more toys. Yeah. They kind of directed her to these other games she's in and you know, eventually she'll yeah, we'll put her in other things. Don't worry about it. Um, but this this is a great example that the the demand the demand for a Ray action figure was there, and the toy sellers didn't have it. Um, and I said at the beginning, Star Wars was the biggest property of the year, and imagine how much more their profits could have been if they'd had that action figure that people were asking for. Exactly. I think as women, we often are so thirsting to see our stories reflected. That when we get a thoughtful depiction of those stories, we flock to it and it makes tons of money. And, you know, I think that there are enough little girls out there who would have wanted to see that action figure and having that would have been a big deal for them. And they, it just seems like they missed out on money by doubling down on sexism. Yeah. I remember reading an article from one of the toy sellers and he said, basically, they made a big gamble that Kylo Ren was going to be the big breakout character and so they made a ton of him, but then everybody wanted Ray, and they just made the wrong gamble. Um, and we can't forget another another hashtag, where's Natasha? And this is all about um, when the Avengers Age of Ultron came out, the female character of the team Black Widow did not get her own action figure. And it was a particularly big deal because there was a an action set that was depicting one of her key scenes, a very popular scene where she like comes out of this helicopter transport on a motorcycle. Very cool. Um, this action figure set replaced her with Captain America. And all was, is he in the scene? He's in the scene. But that's not. He's like far away doing something else. He's like t- he's like tying a shoe in the scene. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's fighting Ultron, if I remember correctly, but he's far away. She's doing her own cool thing. And um, all the male characters of the team also got their own t-shirts, but Black Widow did not. And um, I am wearing my Avengers t-shirt. I was going to say, Annie, you're like dressed yeah. to impress today. You're wearing your Black Widow shirt. Well, she's not there. I... I found this shirt. At Wait. A, yeah, look. Where is she? She's not there. This must be very fun visual for people that can't see it. <laughs> I know, it. Like, we can't see it. So trust me, Annie is wearing a shirt that you would imagine Black Widow would be in the mix on. You got Captain America, you got the Hulk, Spider-Man, the whole team there. Where is she? She's not there. Um, it, but there were these other Avengers shirts that came out for boys that said, um, be a hero. And the shirts that came out for girls said, Go I f- need. Yourself. <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs> 
well, essentially, it said, I need a hero or I only kiss heroes. Oh, see, that's gross. I know. This is like for eight-year-olds. They were oh, for yeah, young kids. That's gross. Yeah. There's a whole Tumblr called But Not Black Widow <laughs> dedicated to finding instances of her left out of merchandising. And I went through it and it's both very funny and very depressing. <laughs> oh, and if you're writing an email, but what about Hawkeye? Don't do it. Um, because, yes, while he does have less merchandise than the other Avengers, he has more merchandise than Black Widow, despite having less screen time. And on top of that, his relative omission is not a problem the same way that Black Widow is, because there are a lot of white dude action figures that have kind of a similar story that you could buy. And that's not so with Black Widow or, while we're talking about it, Falcon as well. And... um it is true that in the comics, in some of the comics, he's deaf. And if that were true in popular media, then yes, this would be the same kind of problem. But it isn't. I like him, too. I All four more Hawkeye merchandise, but it's not the same level of problem. Just putting that out there. Yeah, I think it's important to note that because, yeah, you already get his story kind of reflected in the other characters. Meanwhile, Black Widow's story is not reflected in the same way. So it's not the same level of being left out when your identity is sort of already depicted in other ways, in a way that hers is not. Right. Um, And this whole thing follows a dust-up surrounding Iron Man 3. According to the movie's director, Shane Black, the original script was written with a female villain, but the studio vetoed that decision, telling Black, Toys won't sell as well if it's female. Not only was the villain recast as male because of toys, toy sales, mind you, um, but the other two female characters got their screen time reduced. So this is a pretty serious influence these toys are having. That's wild. So they went back and, like, basically restructured this whole movie based around projected toy sales. Yes, um, allegedly. And I read a very snarky comment about it somewhere because the villain they ended up going with is Guy Pierce, And I, I like Guy Pierce, But somebody was like, good thing that all those people got their Guy Pierce <laughs> Iron Man 3 villain dolls. <laughs> I'm sure they were a top seller. There, yeah, there's just so, so many instances of this. And we're going to talk about even more after a quick break for a word from our sponsor. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yeah, and we were talking about this this problem of um, this idea that girl toys don't sell as well as boy toys. And we found this interview with Kevin Smith. Do you want to talk about it, Bridget? Yeah, I found this interview to be pretty depressing if you want to know the truth. It was an interview that Kevin Smith did on his podcast, Fat Man on Batman, clever name, with television producer Paul Dini. Basically, Dini really echoed this point that we were making earlier about young girls and action figures. He said that executives don't want girls watching these shows because they don't buy toys. We need boys, but we need girls right there, right one step behind the boys. This is the network talking. One step behind the boys, not as smart as the boys, not as interesting as the boys, but still right there. And really, that to me is demonstrated in the kind of thing that you were just talking about, where the women characters are there, but they're kind of one step behind. And as depressing as it is, I see that in so many films where there is a woman character, but... She doesn't have the coolest lines or the coolest plot line or the coolest story. She's just sort of there in the mix. And 
I see that reflected both in the films and then in how these toys are, you know, made or not made. Because they're saying, I mean, Dini says, these executives think that boys are the ones who are buying, you know, little fidget tops, but they're also buying action figures. Girls buy princesses. We're not selling princesses. And really, it kind of becomes this self-fulfilling prophecy where because executives think girls aren't going to buy these toys, they don't make the toys, and thus girls don't buy them because they don't exist. And so it just becomes this, this cycle of girls not seeing themselves reflected in this merchandise. Right. And um, to go back to what you were saying for a bit about the female characters there, but she's kind of one step behind, um, there's a poster of the the Avengers where every all the male characters are in this tough pose with their weapons or their fists getting ready to fight. And Black Widow is the only character that's not facing towards <laughs> towards the audience. She's looking at her phone. She's like, so you can see her her ass. Uh, and she's in a very pin-up-y position. And I can't remember the name of the artist, but he did kind of a rendition of it, making fun of it, where he had her facing um, and looking all badass and tough with her her fist ready in a fighting position, all the male characters with their butts. Oh, <laughs> like all, I like it. Yeah. I mean, that's true. It really goes to demonstrate what they're talking about in this interview where she's just sort of an accessory. And again, one of the reasons why this is so troubling is that as young girls grow up, they start to see themselves as the side characters in their own story. Like, they can't be the protagonist of their own life, their own story. They will always sort of be the accessory with their ass out. Nothing wrong with having your ass out. No. Just to say, hey, do you. Yeah. <laughs> but that shouldn't be the only way that you're allowed to be in the mix in these kinds of stories. Right. Um, and we, there's another is- instance of uh, Gamora, the only female character of Guardians of the Galaxy, or at least the first one, wasn't featured in that superhero set of action figures either. You could get a more expensive collectible one separately that was not widely available and not really for kids, like, for collecting. Um, And Uproxx found a Guardians of the Galaxy t-shirt at Children's Palace that featured the entire team, minus Gamora, and the team at Uproxx emailed them about it. And Children's Palace responded with, The Guardians of the Galaxy shirt in particular is a boy's shirt, which is why it does not include the female character Gamora. So, I guess we can't have any characters of the opposite sex. Yeah, back to this shirt that people can't see. You are wearing a shirt that has five. Yeah, five male characters on it. And so, what? I mean, also, I just had a moment of, of. clarity we're talking about fictional characters who don't actually exist yes. like what is going on there are none There's of these people are real everything <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the whole damn system is wrong <laughs> you're right and also yeah are we that gender binary is it this or this and the answer seems to be in this world of toys and merchandise and many other realms yes yes we are but i want to note um, Guardians of the Galaxy opening weekend, women accounted for 44% of ticket sales. And I will say for that particular movie, because it was kind of strange, it was a bit of a hard sell, even though it turned out to be, I thought, pretty lovely. That's pretty high. That's a, that's a lot of women are females or girls that you're ignoring. Yeah, I think that takes us back to the episode we did around Final Girl, that trope in horror movies, where people assume, oh, women aren't buying tickets to this. Yeah. Who, who cares how they're depicted? They're not going to see this movie anyway, or if they do... They're going to be dragged along by their boyfriend or their husband. Yeah. And the numbers don't actually bear that out sometimes. But yet we're still acting as if that's the case. I know. We're, we're still operating 
on this strange assumption that women don't go to see movies. Um, and there is uh, an essay that a former Marvel employee wrote in 2015. And in it, she pretty much said the higher-ups at Disney don't care about the female market for Marvel products. They differentiated between actual demographics and desired demographics, which you guessed it is for boys. Boys buy more toys is the thinking or more superhero toys. And Disney already has the princess lineup. So in their head, they don't need to worry about selling anything else to girls. Girls are buying these princesses. They don't, they don't need to market superheroes to girls. They have that market. So from a business standpoint, part of me can kind of understand that, but here's why that doesn't fly. Wouldn't you assume that a company like Disney would just want to get as many profits as they could, and even if girls were already buying princess stuff like gangbusters, which apparently they are, yeah, if you can have a new market that gets more girls who maybe aren't interested in princess apparel, princess stuff, buying your stuff, wouldn't you want that? Yeah, I would think so. I mean, it just seems like a choice that is like, do you care more about profits or sexism? Like, it's like you're, it's so important right. to push this gendered binary of who plays with what yeah. that we will miss out on what could be more profits. Yeah. And according to this letter from the Marvel employee, Disney bought Star Wars and Marvel just to sell more toys to boys. That was their business thinking. And they made these huge business, business decisions. Um, and it, the problem also has to do with how licensing works. So here comes the brief, brief how licensing works. Licensing Marvel toys is expensive, and the contract is typically several years long. And for a lot of toys, there's a very small window of popularity. So the licensees want something that's a guarantee. If you've got princesses as a guarantee for the girl toy demographic, superheroes for the boys, then there's this undercurrent of girl action figures don't sell, yeah, they're not going to make those toys. Mm. It's kind of this gambling thing where yeah. they're betting on the surefire. What they think is the surefire thing. Yeah, it's like it's exactly like what you were saying with the whole Kylo Ren thing where they just assumed Kylo Ren is going to be the standout protagonist of this film. Therefore, based on that assumption, let's gamble on making a ton of Kylo Ren toys. Ray, we don't need to make her a toy because people aren't going to buy it. And from a business standpoint, it sounds like they really take a gamble on things. And whether or not those things actually come to fruition, they kind of go down with the ship. And so they say, maybe girls would buy these toys. We'll never know because we're never going to invest in finding out. Right. And first, it's very interesting that you called Kylo Ren a protagonist because who knows? <laughs> but <laughs> so Wait, is, he, is it not? No, no, we honestly don't know. He's, he's set up to be the villain, but probably is going to be good. It's it's uh, all up in the air, Bridget. Oh, it's a mess. Spoiler alert. Yeah, he's pretty he's like Darth Vader. He really wants to be Darth Vader. And if you've never seen any Star Wars, that doesn't mean anything <laughs> to you anyway. I know who he is. Okay, good, good, good. <laughs> and then you describe some Star Trek character and they have to <laughs> throw you out of the studio. I know, can I say, I'm a little bit nervous. I feel like I'm going to get a lot of... Oh, geez, I probably will, too, and I know this stuff. That's just I mean, you're the wearing, nature. You're wearing the shirt. <laughs> That's the nature of the beast. I go to Dragon Con every year. I dress up as these characters. I've got a pretty badass winter soldier outfit that I made, but I still... That's a whole nother episode of, like, having to prove your fandom. Wait, question. What do you think is harder to get right, 
like the language of like being a social change feminist or the language of nerdy culture stuff. Oh. And on this podcast, we're kind of walking the line on both. We so are, you know. We are really asking for it now. <laughs> angry, just like anger responses from everyone. Yeah. Blanket anger. Yeah, pretty much. That's that's what we strive for here. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> um, oh, here's here's something that's sure to make people angry, but I thought was worth mentioning. Flavorwire's Sarah Seltzer says that toxic masculinity is part of the problem here. Um, and here's a quote from her. Little boys, you see, are assumed to be disdainful of dolls because it makes them appear sissy or gay or, you know, caring, compassionate, tender, and other terrifying qualities. And that dated, foolish, and problematic taboo around boys and dolls, conscious or not, might well be deemed by the toy makers more important than the yearning that little girls might feel to play with a toy that looks like them. And there's so much about that that makes me very angry. <laughs> yeah, because I think that that, that quote really gets at the sort of existential problem I have with this whole conversation is that they have made a business choice that upholding this kind of toxic idea that says that boys don't want to play with, you know, baby dolls or be caring, and that that's an important, an important enough social construct to uphold that even if you have to uphold that construct at the behest of, you know, profits or at the behest of all the little girls who yearn to see themselves reflected both on screen and in merchandise, if that means making that choice at the behest of those things, so be it. I don't know if I'm making sense, but it just seems like a really existential or maybe philosophical decision. And it goes to show what we value and what we don't value. And I, my thinking is companies, their number one value is money. Yeah. But this tells me that, that, that something else is going on as well. That you would that maybe is a bit surprising. Yeah, and all of this brings up the question of gendered marketing um, that has been in, in the news a lot lately, actually. Um, but first, it brings us to a quick break for a word from our sponsor. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Okay, so if you visit any given toy store, you're probably going to find an action-packed boy section and a pink princessy girl section. And this is kind of interesting when you think about it, because like you were saying, Bridget, why would you try to sell something to only half of the toy buying population? Um, I remember reading vaguely that the reason we do this, that we have bo um, blue for boys and pink for girls was a marketing decision to minimize hand-me-downs. Like you're supposed to switch it out every 50 years or so so that people can't just not buy things. Oh, that's interesting because if you bought a bunch of ungendered toys, yeah. then everyone just plays with everything and it's not, you know, right. this, get, this goes to your brother, this goes to your sister. Yeah. I hadn't considered that. Yeah. Um, and I kind I wonder if this is the case here, too, to some extent, that you're trying to minimize this hand-me-down nature. I don't know. I, I liked my brother's hand-me-downs. If I had a sister, I'd have liked her hand-me-downs, too. Any any toy coming my way was probably a-okay with me. Um, gendered marketing has, been, has become more aggressive in recent years. 2% of the ads in the 1975 Sears catalog were gender-targeted. But by 1995, that number was 50%. Wow. So it's gotten worse. Um, and this isn't limited to brick and mortar stores. Most online toy sellers have a 
for boys section that you can check or a for girls section. And the Toy Industry Association even hands out awards for Boy Toy of the Year and Girl Toy of the Year. Wow. First of all, who knew that the toy makers had their own oh, yeah. like, Grammys? I'm sure it's quite the party. Yeah. Oh, you know, there's probably toys everywhere. <laughs> Yeah, now I want to go. They probably have all kinds of like sweet toys you've never even heard of. We're never going to get invited oh my God. after we did this episode. <laughs> They'll never have us. It's Damn true. It. <laughs> yeah, I got to say one of my biggest pet peeves when it comes to the gendered marketing of toys is toys, in a traditional sense, do not need to be gendered, right? So no toy needs to be gendered in general, but toys that... Like a wagon where it's, you know, a blue wagon with a firefighter hat on it and then a pink wagon when it's the same thing and they make two different versions of it. And it just boggles my mind why you would need to have it be, you know, look a certain way for a girl child and then look a different way for a boy child when the functionality is still the same. I don't want to make it sound like I'm I'm ranting on little girls who like princess stuff no. because I was definitely the little girl who liked princess stuff. Yeah. Um, I had a, I had, you know pink streamers on my bike, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but I guess what I'm saying is that I think kids will like anything that's marketed to kids. If it's brightly colored, I don't yeah. think it needs to be explicitly for girls or for boys to get little kids to play with it. And I think if we if we as adults act like that's the case, that the things that are sparkly pink pretty for girls and blue firefighter for boys or whatever, like we're sending them the wrong message. And I don't think that kids just like things that are for kids. Yeah. Like you were saying, that you were just kind of happy to get a toy, and that yeah. if it, if you knew that this is like this is a, a toy for a kid, you would be happy to get it, whether it was from your brother or from your. I guess you don't have a sister, but I did. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was one of the interesting examples I ran across is dinosaurs, because dinosaurs are always included in the boys section. There's nothing inherently gendered about dinosaurs. Like they're not blue, you know. Like if they were in the girl section, in theory. They could sell just as well. They're just seen as this boy thing. Um, in Jurassic World, there was a big uptick of dinosaurs, sale of dinosaurs, and they thought that maybe um, girls were buying them too. And what would that mean? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I found a lot of articles about it, actually. But let's, let's back up the Tonka truck a bit. Selling it to boys and girls separately. <laughs> Sorry, I just got that joke. <laughs> Bridget, she's made my day. She's laughing at me. <laughs> that was, I see what you did there. That was nice. <laughs> I love this. I wish you would follow me around and laugh at all my lame <laughs> jokes. <laughs> Maybe I will. Oh, okay, okay. Um, okay, so selling to boys and girls separately got its start when department stores did. From the 1920s to the 1960s, when Toys for Girls consisted mostly of kitchen, home, or child-rearing type things, and Toys for Boys were all about construction and building. Um, oh, and here's a Sears ad for a broom and mop set for girls from 1925. <clears throat> Mothers, here is a real practical toy for little girls. Every little girl likes to play house, to sweep, and to do mother's work for her. <laughs> Don't we all, Bridget? <laughs> it's the time of our lives when we're kids. Um, meanwhile... An ad targeted to boys from that same year read, Every boy likes to tinker around and to try to build things. With an erector set, he can satisfy this inclination and gain mental development without apparent effort. He will learn the fundamentals of engineering. Wow. That is very different. That is very different. And also, I mean, so a couple things about that. One, 
learning the fundamentals of engineering sounds a hell of a whole lot more fun than mopping a floor. But I will say, when I was a kid, I did have this this miniature toy vacuum that I <laughs> I don't think I don't think it was a toy actually. I think it might have been like an actual vacuum that my mom was like, "Here's a toy," <laughs> and it was like a dustbuster. And I love getting you to do. I think chores. I was just being tricked into cleaning. I think so, Bridget. I think yeah. she's just using you to do chores. My one of my good friends, she just had a her sister just had a baby, and he's the cutest thing. But one of his favorite toys is their Swiffer, uh-huh. and so they've rigged up a little Swiffer, like a like a tiny version. Like they've like somehow made the handle shorter. And his favorite thing is to run around the house with a Swiffer. And I'm thinking one day he's going to be like a very effective member of his household. Oh, I hope so. I guess there is something satisfying about it. I, I had a toy that <laughs> you would feed it and then it would pee. Like it had a diaper and somehow it would like leak. Baby alive. <laughs> yeah, I had that same baby. So basically you it, you came with a, bo- a bottle that you put water into. You It had a hole in its mouth. And so you basically were pouring water into the mouth. Yeah. The whole... I don't, I don't know how the functionality of the toy worked, but <laughs> my understanding is that the hole went through the baby mm-hmm. into, like, I guess the vagina of the baby, and that it wore a diaper, and then the water would pour out, and then you change the diaper. Like, that's, yeah. the, that's the fun part of the toy. I never thought it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> you don't find the idea of uh, a chi- an infant wetting themselves and then you having to take care of it to be fun, Annie? <laughs> I guess I'm a terrible person. I don't know. <laughs> I really did not enjoy it. I, like, hid it away. Um, okay, so back to back to the history of gendered marketing. Um, once women started entering the workplace in greater numbers in the 70s, gendered marketing did die down a bit. But then, in 1984, a decision in the United States to ease the regulations on television shows aimed at kids led to all of these toys getting their own shows, or really half-hour-long advertisements. Like if you think of Transformers, which, my goodness, is now, what, five movies? Yeah, it's a franchise. But they're like action movies yeah, with those, Mark Wahlberg Yeah, those, like it went from being, to- like those toys became like media moguls. They're like, yeah. we're going to have, you know how like Oprah has like, Oprah the show, Oprah the magazine. We're going to have Megatron the magazine in a couple of years, like, the way that they went from just toys to a cartoon to a big budget action film with A-list actors, I mean, it's going to be Megatron the podcast. Like They're going to be on How Stuff Works yeah. with, a, with a film podcast soon. They're going to put us out of business. They really might. I mean, look, look how successful they've been. That's true. They also have a ride that I do love at Universal Studios, and I was waiting in line for it once, and Megatron came up to me, and he said... <laughs> For the sake of humanity, I must go now. And then he just walked away. And it was a very bizarre moment. Was he nice? I mean, he walked away. I appreciate that. He's a he's the evil villain. Oh, see, and, I would think that Megatron would be really down to earth. No. No. Well, that's kind of a weird pun. Because they're aliens. <laughs> um, You're like knocking it out of the park with your jokes today. Bridget, you are the best. Anytime I do, if I ever do stand up or improv, I am inviting you and I want you to be in the front row and no one else is laughing. <laughs> Just me. Just like, Bridget. Woo! <laughs> that is all I need. <laughs> uh, another good example that it's not successful on the same scale, but uh, G.I. Joe, which does also have its own feature-length action movies as well, too. Um, 
And the success of Disney's princesses, along with Barbie, further solidified this gender divide. And I do have a quick note about Barbie that I had to throw in here. Um, Her full name is Barbie Millicent Roberts, and she was first available in 1959. Her appearance was inspired by the German Lily doll, which was sort of a sex joke gift you'd give to another dude, but children started playing with them, and then one thing led to another. Huge Huge company, toy for girls, inspired by a sex, little sex gift. Well, that just really goes to show the lack of thought put into toys for girls, that this throwaway gag gift for men, little girls started playing with it, so now it's a toy, right? Like, it's interesting how Barbie is such an iconic toy, but it started as a joke gift that wasn't even for kids. Right. Um, And I guess that brings us to this point. It turns out people do buy... Action female, action female figures, female action figures. Um, sales of female action figures sold more in the years from 2014 to 2017 than they had in the entire past decade. After Wonder Woman came out, sales of Wonder Woman merchandise was estimated to reach $500 million to $1 billion. Wow. Yeah. A couple of years back when the all-female Ghostbusters came out, sales of the corresponding action figures exceeded expectations. And that's a quote from the company that made them, Mattel, um, for both boys and girls. It wasn't just girls buying these action figures. In 2016, DC released a line of female superhero girls, and this is still problematic in that it markets specifically to girls, but it is a start of saying that they're, you know, fighting poses, they're action figures, they're female. (sighs) We still have so so far to go. But... That is something. Yeah, I think that's that's positive. I mean, we definitely have a long way to go, but something that gives a nod to the fact that there are little girls out there that want to see themselves in these ways and think of themselves as, you know, like I said, the the action heroes of their own life and their own stories and, and give them that permission to do that. I think that's important. I think any step in that direction is good. Yeah. And um, this is not just... <laughs> We shouldn't just settle for sales of white lady action figures because I believe, don't you have an Ava du- DuVernay Barbie? I do have an Ava DuVernay yeah. Barbie. That Barbie sold out in 20 minutes, I yes. believe. Um, she comes with her own little director's chair and her <laughs> own little pair of glasses. And the doll looks just like her. When I bought that doll, I had hair almost exactly like hers. Um, I was her for Halloween once, so it was kind of a That's thing. That's awesome. <laughs> but, yeah, it's Okay, so I should say I love Barbie, right? Like, I'm, yeah. not, so I'm not one of these feminists that's like, Barbie, oh, she sucks. I really like Barbie. I collected Barbies. My mom is an adult who collects Barbies, so this uh-huh. is where I get it. I, it sounds really silly, but when I saw that Ava DuVernay doll, it was just so cool. It was just so cool. I mean, she is a powerhouse black female director, and even to be that is, is unusual in this country. It shouldn't be, but it is. And then to have her likeness, her story, her image be condensed into an iconic brand like a Barbie doll. And certainly, I mean, let's be real. Like, the people who have that doll are not kids. It's like like weird adults like myself. So let's be real. But the fact that, like, somewhere out there a little kid could be playing with that doll. And the way that you were doing My Little Pony dramatic reenactments, they could be doing Ava DuVernay pitches to Netflix. And that's how they're, you know, that's how they could be playing. And... 
I don't know. It's it's I could easily see myself being one of the people who's like, oh, it's just toys. Who cares? Who cares? Yeah. But when I got that doll, it did make a difference. And I'm an adult, and it made a difference. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of Barbie, recently was in the news for releasing the inspiring women collection with historical ladies like Amelia Earhart and Katherine Johnson, along with all those STEM-themed Barbies of recent years. And this is a long way from back when one of her catchphrases was, math class is tough. <laughs> Barbie sales in general have been in decline for several years. And in response, Mattel has released Barbies of different body shapes, skin tones, and hair colors. And I will say, my parents, oh, I can't remember her name, but there was a knockoff Barbie, but she was kind of chubbier. And that was the one my parents always was bought it, me. Was, it, was she also in the Barbie universe? And now she was like a Barbie knockoff. And I feel like it was simply me or something. I don't know. <laughs> I was always kind of bummed out about it. But at the same time, I appreciated, I appreciated that she existed. Um, and kids aren't the only ones who want more gender-neutral toy options. Parents do, too. And many have been pushing for a wider range for their children. Um, in 2013, toys aimed at girls saw a significant increase. But if you break it down, the largest area of growth was in the more gender-neutral categories like games, games in specific. The same year, sales of toys aimed at boys like action figures drastically decreased. Some companies saw signs that gendered marketing may not be the best way to sell toys and took steps like Target. Um, They made headlines recently by getting rid of gender-based signs in some departments, including toys. British retailer Hamley did something similar in 2011, doing away with the pink accented floors, denoting the girls' aisle and the blue floors for the boys' aisle. And another another British chain, Boots, did essentially the same thing in 2013. And getting more women in on these toy-making decisions would be a step in the right direction as well. Currently, it's a man's world. For Lego, as of 2014, senior management consisted of 22 men and two women, And Barbie makers Mattel looks the same with 11 men and one woman again in 2014, which is very strange that it's all these men in charge of making Barbies. That is very strange. Yeah, it is, isn't it? We have we both have very weird looks on our faces. Well, because I just think think it's strange that we're leaving it up to a group of mostly adult men to get into the minds of the people who are going to be playing with these dolls. Yeah, yeah, it's a little it's a little weird, Um, and. I, I, when I was trying to think of the the clever thing to say at the end of this, I thought, well, we need to make more movies and entertainments with women, and then, then the action figures and the merchandise will follow. But clearly, that's not always true. And if toy sales are influencing what in entertainment gets made, then <laughs> we need more gender neutral toys. And again, this is leaving out a lot of people. This is leaving out a lot of non-binary folks and just a whole plethora of stories we could be telling again, and we're not telling them. And from a purely capitalistic standpoint, it's leaving a lot of money on the table, too. Yeah, that's the thing I haven't quite wrapped my head around just yet is companies who embrace more gender-neutral marketing decisions are the ones who are seeing an uptick in their sales, right? Yeah. And so why wouldn't all, like, why wouldn't all companies do that? Just I, mean, I can't I can't sort of like wrap my head around it. I think they're entrenched in their ways. I think they truly believe girls don't buy these things, even mm-hmm. if there is evidence to the contrary. Yeah, and it comes back to that sort of philosophical point where it almost seems like making money takes a backseat to upholding this gendered construction of who plays with what. Yeah, and again, it's 
playing with toys may sound like a trivial thing, but it, it's important to the development of children, and it gives them. We're we're whether we know it or not, we're telling them in a maybe subtle way or maybe an obvious way that th- this the, this is your role. This is the box that you go in, and it it impacts how they what they imagine their future could be. Yeah, because as we say on this show all the time, if you can't see it, you can't be it. And kids of all genders need to see it. They can be it. Yeah, yeah. More more gender-neutral toys. More Black Widow. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> well, I think that is all we have to say about action figures and toys for now. We're going to do another follow-up, I think. Oh, I think so. I think so. We clearly have a lot to say about this topic. We do. So, Sminty listeners, this is an episode where I really, really, really want you to tag us and stuff. Do you have a kid who loves her superhero outfit? Do you have a little boy who loves his Barbie? I want to see it all. I love kid pictures. Please, please, please tag us on all the kid and toy-related things. We really want to see them. You can find us on Instagram at Stuff Mom Never Told You, on Twitter at MomStuffPodcast, and we love getting your emails at MomStuff at HowStuffWorks.com. Thank you.